Good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is sponsored in loving memory and Lilui Nishmatem of Aziz Abu Hasera Bat Simcha, Alea Shalom, and Bat Sheva Dahan Bat Sultana, Alea Shalom, sponsored by Mayor Tojman. The Pasuk tells us, Anything, any, any korban that has in it a mum, a blemish, you should not sacrifice it. Because it will not be desired, it will not be accepted or received by HaKadosh Baruch Hu if the korban is, has a blemish on it. Now I just want to quote the Gemara. The Gemara says a very interesting line. Why is it that a person can't bring a korban uh, that has a blemish? And as well, what, what is it re- with regards to this blemish that, uh, um, that makes it uh, unacceptable? So the Gemara brings a pasuk that says, Hakriveuna uh, uh, will he, will he ta- Bring this korban, go bring it to one of your nobles. They lived at the time, obviously, in Eretz Israel. They were being uh, persecuted. That Sometimes they needed to go and bring gifts to the local governor or king that was ruling over them. And sometimes they would come and bring a gift or a present to, these, uh, to their masters, to the people that were ruling over them. Uh, they would bring them these uh, animals as a gift, like we find with Yaakov Avinu. So the Pasuk says, Take this animal that has the moon, go bring it to him. Right? Will he, will he accept it? Will he, will he receive you graciously? Or is he going to turn you away? The most famous example that I'm aware of, of a korban like this, was the korban that actually the Gemara says in Gitin, was the result, the result of which began the descent into the destruction of the temple. In the end of the story of Kamtsa and Bar Kamtsa, we read about how one person was able to bring about with his animosity the destruction of the entire temple, the wiping out of millions of Jews, because he had a terrible slight, someone, they embarrassed him so badly at a party. So what did he think to do? He took a, a sacrifice from the Jewish people to the Roman Caesar. And he said, the Jewish people, they're giving you this gift. But en route, the Gemara says, he took a razor and he made a mum in the animal that is a mum according uh, to them, but not according to us. Sorry, according to us, but not according to them. Difference of opinion where he did the moon. One is he did it on the eyelid of the animal. Another one is he did it on the lip of the animal. Not in the body of the animal. He made a slight moon that for us, we wouldn't allow it to be makriv. And for, what's it called? For the guy, he would be able to. How did he do this? He went to the Caesar and he said to him, the Jewish people rebelled. The guy said, what are you talking about? I didn't hear anything from any of my uh, intelligence officers. He says, I'm telling you they rebelled. They hate you. They don't respect you. The king says, what do you mean? He says, look, I'll give you an example. Take an animal, send it to the Beit HaMikdash, tell them to sacrifice it, and you'll see, they won't bring you a sacrifice in their temple. The king says, what are you talking about? Let's see. Takes the animal, sends it. What does he do? As I said, he makes this moom in the animal, in the eyelid, in the lip, whatever it is. Dukin Sheva Ayin, whichever the Gemara says. He comes to the Beit HaMikdash. What do the Kohanim see? A korban from... The, the Caesar of Rome. But they notice, as they check over the animal, which is one of the things the Kohanim have to do, that the animal is, uh, is blem- has a blemish on it. They bring the case to the Sanhedrin. 
on the one hand, obviously, asur, like we just brought down the halacha. Now they bring a korban that has a mum. On the other hand, this is the korban of the Caesar of Rome. The Gemara says, Rev Zechariah ben Avkulas decided, he ruled, that they're not allowed to bring the korban. It says the Gemara, mitoch anvenatuno, because of the anava of Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulas, the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, everything was, you know, taken apart, so many people passed away. Says the Maharsha, what does it mean because of the, uh, the uh, humility of Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulas? What does that mean? You want to say he did the wrong thing? Say he did the wrong thing. What did he mean, you the humility? Answers the Maharsha, that Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulas was the greatest of all of the members of the Sanhedrin. There's a halakha that says, Lo al-rav, lo al-riv, we read it. But the Gemara says, lo al-rav, that when the Bet Din comes, comes to, has to come to a conclusion, so they start with the least learned person, and he offers his opinion, and they tally. Then the next one, then the next one, then the next one. But once the Rav of the Bet Din, the, the one that has the most knowledge, expresses his opinion, nobody else could argue with him. That's why he has to go last. What was the problem with Rabbi Zechariah ben Afkulas? He was such an anav that even though he was the biggest, he didn't consider himself to be so. So what did he do? He offered his opinion when? First. Instead of when he should have, which was last. They weren't able to argue with him. Because of his anava, what happened? The Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. They, brought the, they didn't bring the korban. The word went back. He said, what do you mean mum? There's no mum here. He checked the animal. Because according to the Roman laws of sacrifice, the animal was complete. Those mumin in such places don't count. And he believed the word of this uh, villain, of, of the villain of the Kamsa and Bar Kamsa saga, and that resulted in the destruction of Beit HaMikdash. However, um, there's two elements that I think are important with this story that read back into the Nikuda itself of bringing Korban that has a mum. And that is as follows. While Rabbi Zechariah may have made a bold statement that uh, the, if they start bringing the korbanot, then people will say, <clears throat> they start bringing the korbanot, very interesting Gemara actually. You know what happens over there? The Gemara says, they said, let's kill the animal. He says, then people will learn the wrong halakha. They'll think that an animal that has a mum, you have to kill it. So he says, you know what, let's kill the guy. Come to bar comes, that way he can't go back to Rome and snitch on us. He says, Yomiru, they will say that the halakha is, anyone that puts a mum in a holy animal, they'll learn the wrong thing from the story. And that is as dangerous. Making Jewish people not understand Torah properly is as dangerous for the continuity of the Jewish people as some physical threat. But he, this is all his ruling. The, fa- the fascinating thing here, the fascinating thing about, the, about this Gemara, to me, is that whether or not the story was true, the idea is true with regards to uh, the pikuach nefesh that it might have caused in Rome, without the added element of this Roman Caesar, he would have been right. For us, even dukin shebaayin, and in the lip, even a mum in the lip or in the eye is, uh, is a problem. Rabotai, uh, this idea gave me a very keen, I think, insight into something else that the Torah is trying to teach us. 
It's not just an animal that's not perfect that we can't bring. What the Pasuk is telling us is, would you consider bringing this to your ruler, to your king? Would you consider bringing this to the governor that you needed some big favor from? Even if halachically it's not a moon. Even if according to the strictest sense of the law, this is a kosher animal. What would you say? Imagine as an example, a guy goes to a, a furniture store. And the guy says, look, this couch is $3,000. But I have a floor model. It's $2,000. Oh, show me the floor model, right? The guy shows you the floor model. There's a slice across the whole couch. You can see the stuffing coming out. You're not going to buy it. But why the guy tells you, no, I'll sew it up. No, thank you. I'll glue it. No, thank you. Why? You're still going to see there's a mark. And for me, it doesn't... It's not appropriate to have this item when it's not in perfect condition. We demand in our life perfection in very interesting ways today. And my rabbi said, you know, today when they measure the batim of the tefillin and they use something called a micrometer, where they basically can look with, the, with these tools that can size up to the tiniest millimeter if the square of the batim is exactly square. It's supposed to be square halakhically. So they use these precision tools to make sure it's exactly square. My rabbi said, do you think Moshe Rabbeinu had tefillin that were checked by a micrometer? Do you think, uh, you know, Yehoshua, the, the, the Sanhedrin, they didn't have those tefillin. So why are we, why do we have to be better than them? And my rabbi said, because everything in your house is built with a micrometer. Then when they measure your, when they make the dashboard of your car, everything is measured with precision. So that precision that you have in every other area of your life, it doesn't make sense that you shouldn't also at least have it in your spirituality. Today, if you go to a grocery store, you may not know that alongside all the apples that sit there beautifully round and luscious in the bin or in the box, there's another 30, 40, however many percent of apples that grew a little bit weird looking. The bottom is a little bit elongated. It's not so round. It's a little bit lopsided, the circle. What do they do with this fruit? They throw it in the garbage. Why? Tastes the same. But you don't go and buy an oblong apple. You don't just don't do it. People are not going to buy it. So what do they do? They relegate it to the garbage. Today, there's been a lot of institutions and organizations that have now gone in and saved these imperfect fruit for people who are starving and they're repurposing this fruit. It's, uh, it's such an obvious thing to do instead of paying, pouring more money into tzedakah to take something that already exists and is not being used and to give it for this purpose. But the point itself where if you're not starving, if you're not hungry, you're not going to eat an apple that's not in perfect shape, that perfection should also be uh, applied in your life with regards to your spirituality. Now, it's true. What difference does it make? You're sitting on the couch. Who cares? It's only under your tuchus, right? Doesn't matter. People, don't, people still will say, I don't want the couch. I'll pay $1,000 more for a perfect one. However, if God forbid the tefillin guy says that instead of 600, these are a very special pair, they cost 800, what do you got? What a rip off this guy. They're both made out of leather. They're both seeking perfection. The extra thousand we could pay for the couch, but the extra 200 for the pair of tefillin that's perfect, we call the guy such a saf, 
He's ripping you off. I'm not saying there aren't people who are ripping you off with tefillin. The same way there's crooks selling you couches, there's crooks selling you tefillin. But when he's not, when it's actually a work of art, some of these people who make the very expensive tefillin, you should go and see it once in your life. It's like they're building a rocket to take you to NASA, uh, to take you by NASA to the moon. Everything, is the, the tools that they're using and the care and the precision is remarkable. Having said that, Rabotai, I learned a very powerful lesson from this. It's true that a moon in the body, every, even the Romans won't have. But when it comes to Judaism, even a moon in the Dukin Sheba'ain, or in the lips itself, is also a moon. Rabotai, this idea that the sacrifice we bring God needs to be perfect applies not only to an animal that's being brought on the Mizbeach, but also everything that we do. We say in the Tefillah, Ritzeh, what do we say? What do we ask God? We ask God to accept our Avodah. We ask God to accept our prayers. Our Korbanot today are our prayers. Our Korbanot, our sacrifices, are the mitzvot that we do for God. They need to, we need to attempt to do them to the most perfect that we can of our ability. Not just to ask, what's the halakha exactly? How much exactly do I need to give? And how much, and giving without one cent more, making sure. But at the same time, Rabotai, we learn here extra as well that there's another kind of a moon, another kind of a blemish in a mitzvah, in a sacrifice, in service of God. And that is in the eye and in the lips. A person might think, look, I'm looking at this guy, I think he's a dib. I didn't say anything. I didn't hurt him. I didn't advertise it. A mum in the ayin is already a blemish. The peh, a person says to himself, if I say this, I said that, I didn't hurt him, I didn't yell at him, I didn't scream, I didn't do this. A blemish in the eye or in the lips is also considered a blemish. And Rabotai, Look at how powerful the result was from such a blemish. The result and the destruction of Bet HaMikdash happens because of that blemish. And Rabotai, as I said earlier, it's not that everybody disagreed with Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulas. It's only that they disagreed with him because of the pikuach nefesh of it. So we learn from here a tremendous lesson in attempting to do it to the, most, to the best of our abilities. Rabotai, we should be zocheh bezat Hashem to have perfection in our tefillah to say things clearly and slowly enough that we know we're saying, not to get to the Amidah at the end and wonder how we got there, or if we skipped parts. We should be Ezzat Hashem to, to complete and perfect and blemishless empathy. Um, the Rambam writes in Pirush HaMishnayot that you get a portion Olam if you just achieve one mitzvah in the Torah to, with perfection. It's not an easy thing. But that we should know if we can't keep everything, if we're not going to ace the whole thing, at least let's try and do one to the very, very best of our ability and to the very, very best uh, of its halachot. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.